Good, Isaac, hey, let's give him a hand. Is Isaac here? He is, Isaac. That was amazing, man. That was fantastic. Yeah, let's give Isaac a hand. Really great job, buddy. Looking forward to seeing you up on stage sometime. That was fantastic. Fantastic. As Isaac said, there is, and if you're just joining us now at this point, there is no picnic. It is but a muggy bog out there. So we shall reschedule for when the sun is shining brightly. Well, uh, it's always a privilege to be able to speak uh, with you all this morning. And... Um, and uh, I very much enjoyed last week with you all. Um, just to give a way of recap in terms of where we are with our, with our preaching series, as you guys know, we normally preach in series. Is that right? Series? And uh, we've just been in the Holy Spirit series, and then we ended that with a really wonderful Q&A session with Ian Harvey uh, in France and Megan in Ireland and the team here. And, you know, if you've missed that or any of our services, you can catch up on our YouTube channel. I'd encourage you to do so. And then last week, I felt the Lord laid on my heart to ask the question, is Jesus your everything? Is Jesus your everything? And we looked at the story of um, Mary and Martha and how Mary just poured out everything that she had, her, her really expensive perfume over the feet of Jesus and we unpack that together. If you missed that, you can catch up. And I said to you that morning that I hadn't intended on speaking on that, that I was going to speak on another subject. And so that's what I am doing so uh, this morning. And the subject title, the talk title is called Shift. Shift. And um, what I want us to look at this week is just taking a step back and saying, what has shifted in our lives these past 18 months? And how does that impact us as individuals, but not just individuals, but us corporately as a church? Because the reality is that things have changed, have they not? Things have shifted. Some things have shifted in a positive way. Some things have shifted in a negative way. And while ordinarily when we're preaching the word, we like to get an anchor text, if you like, and unpack that together, this is going to be more of a topical type of talk where I'm going to look at some of these trends that have shifted and how the church is placed to respond to that and therefore how we as individuals have an opportunity to respond. And I'm going to look at four things and just a bit of background. Um, the senior pastors of the Vineyard Churches in the UK and Ireland, we have about 100, and I want to say 20, 30, I always get that wrong, many churches, it might be more in the UK, thousands across the world. Um, we met as a senior pastors on Zoom a couple of weeks ago, and John and Debbie Wright, our national directors, uh, hosted the session. And John reflected on these four points that I'm going to uh, speak on. So thank you, John, for those. And I've kind of just... And so I just felt led to share those with us all this morning. And, and, and uh, lest you say, well, should, why should you be talking on culture? You know, Jesus had a lot to say about culture, didn't he? You know, he challenged the status quo. He challenged the way in which women were treated in society. He challenged the way the down and outs were seen and, and looked upon. He challenged the notion of servant leadership. And so there is a place for church to speak into our community and our culture because we have been called to be salt and light, have we not? And so we need to understand what is happening around us. So that's what I'm going to spend time looking at this morning. And you could argue that normal service resumes next week. <laughs> but do go with me on these. Let's look at these four things and see how as a church we can respond to this. But before I do, you know what? I'm going to pray uh, just briefly. 
Lord, I thank you that your truth speaks into our lives, that your truth brings freedom and transformation, that your truth, Lord, is the antidote to a world which is moving away from you. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our hearts and open our minds to hear your truth this morning. Lord, would we not switch off? And Lord, where we may feel challenged personally, I pray we would not turn our ears off. But Lord, we would allow you, Holy Spirit, to speak into our lives, I pray, in your precious name. Amen. Okay, well, let's look at the first one of these four things that have shifted. And we see in all aspects of our life, and it is this, it is division. It's as if this has accelerated over the past 18 months. You know, the society we see is a society that is prevalent with division in ever-increasing measure. What about the cancel culture? We hear a lot about the cancel culture, right? The cancel culture would look to cancel any thought or anyone that doesn't agree with the prevailing popular notions and thoughts. You know, I remember as a boy reading George Orwell's 1984. Anyone read that? And I remember reading it as a boy thinking, that is shocking, that would never happen. Thought police? I don't want to bring the bearer bad news, but it feels a bit like that at the moment. That there is now an assimilation of what it means to be correct thinking. And, and dare you have any thought outside of that, because you will be seeked and sought to be cancelled. In fact, let me tell you guys, let's just be real about how much of a danger this is. This is the next thing that's going to be cancelled. The Bible. Why? Because the truth that is here goes against the popular culture of our time. It goes against what those believe to be true. And of course, you can do that in a society where you believe truth is relative. And I've spoken on this before, and I'm not going to apologize for saying it again. But you see, truth is not relative, it's absolute. It's God's word. That is truth. Yes, God does have a view on things, what is right and true and pure and holy. Truth is not what you feel emotionally tied to. And so the cancel culture comes from, as a result of, a world in which is redefining the definition of truth. And let me just say, redefining the definition of tolerance. You see, I just, this is one of my bugbears. Tolerance used to be, you and I have a difference of, a, of opinion, but we can agree to disagree. And we tolerate each other. That's fine. I respect you. You can have your opinion. Can I just say, if you haven't been awake for this past couple of years, tolerance has been redefined to, if you don't agree with me, you're being intolerant. Genuinely, that is what happens. The first thing the cancel culture went after was the definition of tolerance and cancelled that one out. It had to, in order to say, well, you're being intolerant. Hey, I can respect you and I have a different opinion. No, 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 you're being intolerant to me. I hope you're okay. I hope you don't mind me sharing you a bit of truth this morning. It might be a bit hot under your collar, but it's okay, isn't it? You can trust me. I love you. I'm your senior pastor. I'm here to give you trust in love. Truth in love. <laughs> you know, let's ask the question. 
Let's open our eyes. You know, we studied, didn't we, the Stand Strong series about the full armour of God. And we said, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but every principalities and powers. You know, that, that is the reality of the world we live in. I mean, that's our kingdom theology. One of our distinctives as a vineyard movement, isn't it? That we are extending God's kingdom into the kingdom of darkness. You know, that we break in God's kingdom where we are at. You know, if you agree with that theology... And therefore, that's how we do ministry and that's how we live our lives. Then you have to agree, therefore, that there's a spiritual dynamic to everything that happens. And so what I'm just trying to share here is to open our eyes to some of those spiritual realities so we can be wide awake and sober and to be prayerful. And one of the things, you know, that is fueling, fueling the cancel culture and fueling this polarisation, you know, you're either a Brexiteer or a Remainer. You're either a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer. You're either a Trump supporter or not a Trump supporter. You know, you're either this, that. There is a, a binary option these days. You can't have a conversation which would be, well, I feel this or I feel that. No, you, you go into two buckets. And what is fueling this polarisation and this cancel culture is social media. I mean, why is that? Because the way social media has been engineered is that it reinforces your own biases. Essentially, it puts you in an echo chamber. And so everything that is fed to you is your very own view, and it puts that polarisation in place. Now, why is that? <laughs> you know, I, I, lest you think that I don't know what I'm talking about, I used to work in the technology sector, and I used to build online products that were designed to make money off your eyeballs. The more we could get you to use our product, the more we could get advertising dollars. We were incentivized. I, was, I had a bonus structure that was around my KPIs on how much time spent I can get you on our, on our site and using it. So you might think, isn't, isn't YouTube and Instagram wonderful for giving us this wonderful free experience? Nothing's free. Isn't this product wonderful? No, you're the product. You're being sold. And so we've got to be aware, Christians, why don't we wake up? And let's not get caught up in this world, this environment that reinforces the worldly view and worldly prevailing thought into our lives because it is prevailing and it is subtle. You know, th these things are dangerous and we need to be aware of those. And so I think that division, you see, has been fueled by an increase in usage and a way in which these products are engineered. So why am I saying all this? Because church, Jesus is the antidote to division. You know, there's division, even when there's so-claimed unity. You know, there are politicians say, we need unity. What they really mean is, you all need to be thinking the same and doing the same, and then we'll be united. You know, look at all of us. We're a, we're a different bunch in here, aren't we? We're diverse, and yet there's unity. I don't know any other place where you can be with someone way older than you, of different background, a different socioeconomic background, a different interests, and yet have that feeling of unity under Christ. I remember when Steph and I, we lived in Australia for a bit, and we went over to Australia, and we said, we have to obviously find a church. And we walked into church, the same when we came here, and you meet someone, and do you ever get that feeling, and a fellow Christian's like, I think I've known you forever. We felt that. It's the Spirit of God in us that unites us under Christ. Let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 1 to 6. Uh, let me just read you this. 
It's entitled Unity in the Body of Christ. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul writing, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know what I love about this? It just talks about what unity looks like. It's about walking in humility with one another. And gentleness, being gentle. How much gentleness is there in society at the moment? Zero. Patience. Being patient with one another. Seeing somebody else in the same way that Jesus sees them. Bearing with one another in love. That's why we, the Watchman Ministry, we pray that we'd love one another. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. You see, that is why church has the answer to a society full of division. Because we are his body, united under Christ. You can be here embraced as a family. We are all sons and daughters of the Most High. And you see, as we go out and as we speak into the lives of our friends and our family, and as we speak about the culture that we see, let us talk about the church that God sees and the invitation to be part of a family that loves you for who you are. You know, we, see, we say, come as you are. Come as you are. You don't need to conform to looking like me with my colorful shirts. You can come with a T-shirt. You don't need to wear these shoes. You can wear sandals. Often Richard does. He often takes them off. (laughs) But you see, that's what family is. That's what it means to be united under Christ. And that's the message of hope that we have for our society and friends. Can I just say one thing? Just, Just want a parenthesis here. My observation is, is oftentimes as Christians, we get scared to talk into culture. We get scared to say, This is what's happening to society, guys. But, you know, we have a voice. Just as Jesus was able to have that voice into the culture that was willing to push women aside, just as Jesus had a voice into a culture where the poor were ignored, we have a voice. And our voice is that there can be unity under Christ. Okay, that's the first one. Are you with me? We've got three more to go. I'm looking at the clock. Don't worry, I'm aware of the time. I have a good hour and a half left. Hey, I got the, la- the largest laugh all day. That was wonderful. Maybe you're laughing at home. You're like, no, Mark, I can hit pause. I can see you later. You're locked. And if we lock the doors, wonderful. Thank you. All right, next one. Next trend that shifted, has accelerated, is loneliness. Loneliness has become an epidemic. Did you know that? According to a survey, I went on Mental Health UK of UK adults, which took place nine months into COVID-19 restrictions, which was late November last year. One in four adults in the UK said they had feelings of loneliness in the previous two weeks. One in four. And loneliness levels were higher in young people, people who are unemployed, full-time students, and single parents. In each wave of the survey, which has tracked the mental health of the nation since last March, It is an epidemic. And can I just say this? You can be alone and not be lonely. And you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely.
But you know, church is the antidote to loneliness. Being part of God's family is the antidote to loneliness, where we have fellowship. Now, that is a very ye old kind of word, isn't it? And we like to use the word connection. That's a good word. But it actually doesn't do the word fellowship justice. Because the weight of the word fellowship is about doing life together. It's about celebrating the triumphs and weeping with one another in the bad times. It's about being vulnerable with one another, being real with one another. Being a church family isn't about putting on your mask. Maybe you've come from a church where you have for, you've been forced to put a mask on of religion, which says, I'm okay, Jack, and I'm doing everything well. That's not what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. That's not what it means for my children to have a relationship with me, their father. It means for them to be honest and open with me and vulnerable. And so having fellowship with one another is the place in which we no longer can feel alone. Now, I'll be honest. There are pros and cons to large churches, okay? Let me just speak about this for a moment. There are some advantages to small churches that you can walk in and there's 30 people and you know everyone's name, a bit like that line from Cheers. You know, you go to a bar, everyone knows your name. But as a large church, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to make an impact in the community through our care centre and all that we do. We can do that because we're a large church and God has resourced us. We are a large church which brings so many amazing opportunities to serve in so many amazing ways. But it means, guys, that the risk is you can just walk in the back and we will say hello and we'll say you should connect, but you can just choose to walk out again. And so we need to be intentional on having fellowship and connecting with one another. And even so, as we start thinking about open the doors back up again fully July 25th, we're going to need to make a choice and be intentional on coming back here. Can I just say that? Church shouldn't be part of your social media content. By the way, if you're online, that's fantastic. You know, there are benefits. It can be, we can be more accessible. I know many people have joined church by seeing us online. That's wonderful. And there are some of you who physically can't get there. And there are times when you, we just can't fit in. That's fine. But the danger is, is that two weeks becomes three, three weeks becomes four, and we've just been watching catch up on a Monday. Can I respectively say that isn't church? Church is about being together and having fellowship with one another and bearing with one another and connecting with one another. So how can we be intentional as we think about coming back to church? Well, you know, we're going to be opening our doors back. Come on in if you're able. But what about connect groups? You know, this weekend I'm not going to be here. Steph and I and the kids are going to be camping with our connect group. I hope it doesn't rain like this weekend. I'm not much of a camper, but it's going to be fun. I do it for the kids. <laughs> but you know what? We do that every year and we meet as a connect group because that's where we do life with these guys. They know us intimately. They, they know our weaknesses. They've seen us cry. They've seen us laugh. They've prayed with us in the bad times and they've celebrated in the good times. And you know, if you want to be in a place where you're not lonely, you can be in this building and not connect and you can feel alone, but you don't have to be. We want to help you get connected. We talk about connect groups every week. Isaac did an amazing job talking about connect groups in the notices. If you're not in a connect group, get in one. Email the office, office at the Vineyard Church, Critic K. We'd love to help you connect. 
or get on our website. You can see what connect groups there might be. Or maybe if there's not one in your area, why not start one? I bet there's other people like you that want to get connected. So that's one thing. Let's protect connect groups and protect our involvement in them because that's where we do life. But also serving. Serving is how we are part of family. Have you ever heard that phrase? I remember growing up when I wouldn't do the uh, chores and my mum or dad would say, you just treat this place like a hotel. (laughs) Ever got that? Let's not treat this place like a hotel. Let's all muck in because we're family, right? It means we serve one another. That's what it means to be church. And I'm going to talk about this in a moment. But it's in that place. I tell you something. One of the first things that I did when I joined this church, when Steph and I did way back, is I got involved in the Alpha team. And that's where I built connections and had fellowship. So I'd encourage you, you know, to sign up. And as we start opening the doors, July 25th, there's going to be so many more opportunities to serve. So keep your eye out on that. In fact, on our website, the Vineyard Church of Code UK, there's a whole section called Involve. Have a look at that and see ways that you can get involved and have fellowship and get connected. And, you know, can I just say as well, that is an invitation point to friends, is it not, who have been saying, I feel I've been really lonely. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Come on. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you think you're going to do. This place will welcome you. Why don't you come with me? Grab a coffee. Hopefully we'll have some donuts. That is an invitation point because the world is seeking connection. We're not created to be isolated. We were created for union with him and union with one another. And so this is an invitation point as we speak to our friends and family, as we start coming out of this season. And lastly, um, let's look at the four. How many have I done? I've done two, haven't I? I thought I did three. Don't worry, I'll speed up on the the next two. You're all fine. It's all good. (laughs) Last one is very similar to the second point, actually. It has some uh, similarities. It's consumerism. And, you know, having spoken to many church pastors at this time that I have spoken to, one of our greatest fears, actually, is the infiltration of consumerism in the church. And it's not to say that consumerism hasn't been there before. Hold hold your horses, Mark. What, What are you talking about with consumerism? Let me give you a definition. The preoccupation of society with the acquisition of consumer goods. We are in a society where we want to consume and consume and acquire and meet our needs, meet our needs, receive, receive, receive. And we see this as an increase and an acceleration in this time. I mean, you see it with the shift of retail from offline into an online environment. I mean, that was always happening. If anything, it's just accelerated. Why? Because there is a convenience factor of being able to satisfy one's need to acquire, to consume. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Amazon. I have an Amazon app, I'm a Prime member, and I can use this one little finger. It's going to get there tonight, that's amazing. Don't get me wrong, there's a convenience factor there, but the reality is it feeds that consumerism if we're not careful. And the fear is is that it can infiltrate the church. You know, as we've gone online, and I've referenced this earlier, We've been so grateful to God that he has enabled us to extend our reach in that way, to make Christ known. You know, we have people, you know, there's a lady that watches from Jamaica. Bless you. 
I haven't seen the chat, but you often chat every, bless you. There's people in the north of England, there's people in France, there's people everywhere in the globe. And there are people around St. Albans that I've met every week that said, oh, I found you online and here I am. And that's wonderful. And we're grateful to God. We don't want to push back on that. It's a great tool to extend God's kingdom. But it is a tool. It isn't church. Church is not about consuming. It's about serving. It's about being with one another and serving one another. You see, the, the, the tendency is and the desire could be to curate a church experience. I've heard people say to me, it's great because I can pick the worship from there, I can do the talk from there, and I can dip into there. And I'm doing church. I'm sorry to say, what you've just done is redefine what church is. You see, my fear for many is that the convenience that online brings means a redefinition of what church is. And it's so subtle. You, you know, church is not this, like, me just speaking every week. Oh, that's great. That's church. No, no. Church has been family and serving one another and being there for one another and worshiping together and serving the donuts and being with the kids and praying with one another and laughing together. That's what church is. And why am I sharing these important things? Because as we get ready to open our doors, we need to be aware what's going to hold us back from continuing in what God has for us as a church. And we're in danger. And we're in danger of not with power and conviction and truth and love, inviting people here to church to experience God. You know, I'm reminded of Jesus when he served and he washed his disciples' feet. What would Jesus make of this consumer world where we are first? Why don't we think about church in that way, hey? It's great. Let's wash each other's feet in how we live our lives. And that is the invitation. You know, can I just say something? There is blessing in giving. Let's talk about financially. Oh, don't talk about money, Mark. Well, listen, I've talked about religion. <laughs> I can talk about these things. But we're in a safe place. This is, not me, this is not me saying, hey, can you get your checkbook out, please? I need your money. This is not about that. It's about the fact that part of our worship to God is giving our tithes and our offerings. Why? Because he first gave it all to us. You know, the tax man takes up to 40%. Jesus talked about 10%. I think, you know. But you see, when we redefine what church is, which is a consumption media and part of my online social media content, I don't feel the need to give. But we give into the storehouse. We give into the place in which we can serve those around and be a light to this world. And for some of you, you've, you've held back Many reasons, some of it valid that you know that you might be financially struggling, but some of you are just saying, Well, I don't need to give anymore, I'm not part of church. Let's not rob God of our tithes and our offerings because giving actually blesses us. There are blessings that come with giving, there are blessings that come. I've seen it in my life those moments where I have been generous and given. God is like, Oh, great, I'm going to bless you with more. Now, I've spoken many times about the prosperity gospel and how what violence that does to the, the message of Jesus. So I'm not talking about this name it, claim it thing. I'm not talking about the fact that, you know, you can write a check for £10 and next week you'll get a check from £100 from someone. I'm not talking about that. And that happens sometimes. But we give out of our worship to him and because he's a generous God, he chooses to bless us. So let's not allow the enemy to hold 
to put us in a position where we don't walk in the blessings because we don't want to give. I'll tell you something, you'll feel so much joy when you give. Maybe that's just giving to your neighbor as well. Maybe that's seeing a need and say, you know what, I'll cover that. Could be even a coffee. It doesn't need to be expensive. What about serving? And we talked about serving a lot here, and intentionally so. You know there's a blessing in serving one another. I tell you, I've got to be honest with you. My best experiences at the church have not been when people have done stuff for me. It's been when I've been able to do something for somebody else. When I've been able to serve someone a tea or a coffee and had a chat with them about their week, they say, you know what, God's got this. I'm going to let me pray for you. It makes me walk away from church saying, that was amazing. Lord, that you gave me that opportunity to minister your love in someone's heart. Don't just consume church because you'll miss out on the joy to serve. You know? And so consumerism is a danger, but church is the antidote to consumerism because consumerism will only take you in one direction and that's dissatisfaction and the acquisition for more and more and more. And it's not a path that you want to get on. And lastly, as I bring this into land, we've looked at the shift of division and how church is the antidote to division as we're united under Christ. We've looked at loneliness how church is the antidote to loneliness as we can have fellowship with one another. We've looked at consumerism and how serving and church is the antidote to that. Let's look at the last one, reevaluating priorities. You know, I think there's been so many benefits of this time, don't get me wrong. People have been able to um, construct in their lives sometimes a better work-life balance for some. For some, it's gone the opposite way. But have we not all taken stock of our lives in different ways and said, you know what, I need to spend time with my family more time. Where once, I know some friends who work in the city and they say, you know what, Mark, it's so great that I can take my kids to school in the morning now and that I can get home and get on a, on a call. There are many things that we've reevaluated that have been good, but in, 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 in the vein of the others, there are some dangers there. You know, let's think about how we create our priorities in life. Imagine you've got a jar, Okay. And we need to fill it with rocks, little pebbles, and sand. Okay? Rocks are the most important things in your life. They will always get the place first. And then you pour in the little pebbles and they find their space. And then whatever's left, you pour in the sand, right? That makes it. If I had a jar, I would show you, but I'm sure your imagination is good enough to, remember, to see that. What can happen when we reevaluate priorities is that we do it the opposite. We fill all the unimportant stuff first, the sand, and we go, oh, oh my jar's almost full. I've got little space at the top for some pebbles. And you're like, well, I've got no space for rocks. And the unimportant things disappear. So I want to ask you a question. What are your rocks in your life with Jesus? What are your rocks as his Romans 12.1, and most often quoted from here, I'm sure, with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, in light of everything that he has done for you, let us offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. That is our act of worship. Those things are our rocks. Worshiping him, being with him, being church, serving him and serving others. And the danger is in this season that those things are left to the end and we go, I'm sorry, Lord, it's 11 o'clock, half 11, 12. I've just watched a whole box set on Netflix and uh, I haven't got time for you, Lord, but I'll do it tomorrow morning, I promise. Tomorrow morning comes, Lord, I'm just too tired, but I've got you this afternoon. 
It's an exaggerated example, but the reality is it happens. <laughs> Do you know once, just as an aside, the CEO of Netflix was once asked, what's your greatest competitor? Do you know what his answer was? Sleep. True. Says it all, really, doesn't it? Greatest competitor Netflix has is, oh, I can't watch another box set. I'm tired. It's one in the morning. Just saying. Let's just think about what our rocks are. And as church opens up, can I just say to you, church is a rock. Be it, listen, church is us as a people. It's not this building. It's about connect groups and doing life together and pray, all of those things. But it's also about being together here on a Sunday and serving one another and worshiping together. Don't let that rock be left outside the jar. The enemy would love you to do that. The enemy would love it for you to be isolated and to feed other things. But let me tell you, this is where we do life. This is where we grow in him. And this is where we love one another. As Jesus said, so that the world will know that you are mine. How can we do that if we're not together? Hebrews says, you know, as you see the day approaching, meaning when Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon, don't give up meeting together, it says, and encouraging one another. How can we do that and encourage one another if we're not together? I think I'll end it there on the fourth one. So those are some of the things we've seen shifted. And I reckon, and I know, and you don't have to be prophetic to know this, that the Holy Spirit has been ministering to some of your hearts. And there's been certain things in there that have gone, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, I think you're talking to me, Lord, about that. Don't ignore that. That's, that's not condemnation. The enemy would condemn you, which puts you into bondage. The Holy Spirit would convict you, which leads you to freedom. I'd like you all to stand as the band come, comes down. Because I suspect that for many, this actually, I'm going to say this, this is, a, this is a pivot point. What do I mean by a pivot point? I mean that this is an opportunity in your walk with the Lord for a change of course of direction, a pivot, if you like. That for some of you, and it's not because you've gone out of your way to do so, but because of life and life happens, we found ourselves down a particular path and we think, you know, actually, Lord, yeah, I need to make a bit of a change there. Let me just say, church, being his body is the antidote to the negative things we see happening in the world around us. And let me just say that we have a message of hope and of freedom in Jesus to a world that is headed in the wrong direction. I, my prayer personally is that I have courage to say that. You might think, well, Mark, it's easy. You're a pastor. It doesn't make it necessarily easier. It might give me more opportunity, but it doesn't mean it's any easier to say truth. But if we're ever in a season for truth to be heard, God's truth, now is that season. If there's ever a time in our world where we are called to be salt and light, now is that time. As the band start playing, I'm going to start praying and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to minister. And then we're going to sing a song together. And we just invite the Lord to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're part of your body. Yes, we're all different, Lord. Some of us are fingers and hands and feet and ears and eyes. But Lord, we're all united under you, Christ. All united under your spirit. All children of the Most High. Oh, I love that, Lord. And your church is that place where we reflect that to the world. That hope, Lord, that there does not need to be division. That hope, Lord, that there does not need to be loneliness. That hope, Lord, that we can serve one another and grow. And that hope, Lord, that we can grow in our relationship with you. 
Lord, would we not in this season leave the rock of church outside the jar because we have inadvertently changed the definition of church? Lord, I pray you'd continue to build your church, that men and women and children would come to know you, Lord God. Come Holy Spirit and just minister to us now. Shalom And if you're at home, I know it's sometimes difficult with the distractions at home, but why don't you just make, take this opportunity to extend out your hands. Say, Lord, would you just, just pour out upon me. Come Holy Spirit. Speak your truth into our hearts and our lives and bear fruit for your goodness. Come Lord Jesus. I thank you that your church is a place where we are known and we can be known. Warts and all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. It's had a picture of a rubber band and you know when you pull it and you and there's so much tension and it feels like you're moving back and then it's just released. I feel like this was a picture given a couple of weeks ago as well. And I get the sense from the Lord that this rubber band called the church that's been in such tension, such pulling, is about to be released into the world in a new way. Who wants to be part of that? But we have our part to play as his church, as his body. Oh Lord God, come minister and Come minister, Lord Jesus. And if you want to be part of that, if you want to push in, just put your hand on your heart as a symbolic act to say, yes, Lord, thank you that you have a place for me here. I'm going to just pray for you now. Thank you, Lord. Come Holy Spirit. For all those responding, Lord, just pour out your spirit now. Lord, we want to be part of that. Jesus, thank you God. Let us worship together.